TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's the Score North Twin Show. All right, Score North Twin Show, another episode here for you today. I'm Derek Wetmore in the studio, and joining us from the phone line in Boston, Mass, or around Boston, Mass, Jake DePew. Jake, how are you today? I am doing great, doing great. I miss baseball, but, uh, you know, trying to settle in for the holidays, and uh, once the holidays are over, you can start thinking 2020 season. Well, right? and I so. saw a countdown double digits for uh, spring training, so not to, not to start counting the days or anything, but let's start counting the days. Absolutely. And how are you, Derek? <laughs> uh, good. Life is good, man. Uh, Rami Makloff will rejoin the show shortly. We've been having fun with Pat Royce, even though it turns into a fight every time we come into the studio together. That's all good. Um, so I, I just saw this news, Jake, and I, I decided, I said, we got to get an episode out today. A lot of things to talk about. CJ Krohn, um, Trevor Hildenberger randomly getting uh, hit by a runaway bus. Um, not literally, but like a surprising um, non-tender situation there. And a bunch of guys that are out there now that I think make attractive targets for the Twins. But the number one thing that I wanted to get to with you, Jake, is Zach Wheeler reportedly has a $100 million offer in hand, according to a report from Ken Rosenthal. What do you think about that price tag? I think that the Twins need to match that. And if that's not them making that offer, then they need to exceed it to to get Wheeler. I think that's priority number one of the offseason. They absolutely have to get, you know, in Falvey's words, an impact starter or impact starters, plural. And uh, if they have to overpay by $10 million to get Wheeler, then I think that's what they have to do. And, and that's easy for me to say. It's not my money, obviously. But, um, you know, if he's getting $100 million offers, then the Twins need to be in that ball game because their starting rotation, as has been discussed frequently on Score North and, and other places, uh, is currently uh, incomplete, I guess. We'll say. I ran a comparison because I think Jake Odorizzi is better than I think the crowd thinks that he is. But have you seen how similar his numbers are to Wheeler's in 2019? They are very similar. Yeah, the the ERA is is pretty similar. The, the thing about Odorizzi, uh, the one I think big knock against him is that he just never goes deep. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. Wheeler, I, I I don't know off the top of my head how many innings Wheeler pitched, but I know it was it was definitely more than Odorizzi. Um, and so I think that's something that if you know if Wheeler could stay kind of at that level, I think he's a better pitcher than than Odorizzi just because he goes deeper into games. Um, you know, Odorizzi didn't even qualify for the ERA title because he didn't pitch enough innings. So, um, which is shocking because he made thirty starts. It's not like it was a twenty start season or anything. Exactly, and and I I remember tweeting something out that I don't I don't believe he threw a single pitch in the eighth inning of any game that that he started. So. Um, so they need somebody who can give them length in addition to productivity, and I think Wheeler is that guy. It's it's fascinating because I came into the offseason saying you needed to get like, well, let's just break this whole thing down. I, actually, you and I haven't talked about this. Uh, sometimes throughout the course of a season, we'll like we'll trade texts about roster stuff or like phone calls here and there. But like since the offseason started, we haven't talked about a pitching plan, which seems to be sort of the, the, the buzz phrase these days. And and I kind of looked at it like this. You tell me where I'm an idiot, and then we'll fight about it, or I'll hang up on you, depending on how mean your retort. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, uh, I'm just kidding. I won't hang up on you. I can take it. Uh, so Jose Barrios, okay, good start. 
And then you're going to qualifying offer uh, Jake Odorizzi. If he takes it or leaves it, if he leaves it, you've got $18 bucks. If he takes it, you got a good starting pitcher. Kind of a win-win there. Um, I think that you can count on one in-house candidate to fill a quote-unquote rotation spot, even though the Twins don't think about it. I need my one, two, three, four, five, and then we're done. They think about it like 13, 15, you know, 27 pitchers deep or whatever the heck. My point is for my rotation is, is as I'm constructing it in my head here, I'm thinking about an internal guy, whether it's Devin Smeltzer or Randy Dobnik or, you know, Lewis Thorpe, whatever. That's taking up one spot. So I view it as two spots open and then you have a choice. You can either you can either swing for the fences with a Garrett Cole and then back end filler with a low money deal, a gamble on some upside like a Michael Pineda. Yes, I went there. Uh, or you can fill it with like a, a Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner type and a trade candidate. Uh, I know I just dumped a lot on your plate right there, but what do you think of uh, the Wetmore pitching plan for the offseason 2020? So I think, and maybe this is one area we can fight about, uh, but I think Garrett Cole is not happening. I don't, like, sure, you can make a call. I know I've heard you say, like, make the call. And, you know, <laughs> that, that's great. They can make a call. His agent can say no, and, and uh, everybody can move on. But uh, I view Cole and Strasburg as just kind of non-starters. I don't think it's happening. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but as far as the rest of your plan, I, I'm pretty much in agreement. I, I think I think you have to get either Wheeler or Bumgarner, or, or I guess Ryu is in that category. Sure. Um, Wheeler would be my preference. And then I think, realistically, you get a second-tier starter, Um via free agency or a trade, somebody like Tanner Rourke, uh, Rick Porcello could be maybe a bounce-back guy, um, somebody, somebody in that category to be kind of your number four. Uh, and then I agree, you, you fill five, the number five spot internally with Dobnik or Smelter or Thorpe and wait for uh, Balazovic, and I can never say his name right, but I think it's Balazovic. With, with apologies to our friend Jordan, right? <laughs> Right, exactly. I, I think you wait for one of him or Duran or Gratterall to, to emerge by midseason. Uh, and if one of them does emerge, then maybe they eventually take over the five spot, um, you know, sometime around the All-Star break. But I, I do think Odorizzi coming back was great for the Twins, but you have to sign an elite guy, a guy who's at, at Barrios' level, uh, and then a, a second-tier guy. It's that, interesting. Uh, two things that I want to bring up off of your retort. One is, like, I wish that I could just have the two months of Rich Hill that you would get if you signed Rich Hill. I wish I could just have them early so that I could then slot yeah. in, like, a Gratterall or, you know, something like that, uh, s- somebody to impress me by June to come up and take a job. Um, but, unfortunately, that's not happening. He had whatever surgery he had, and is I think he's out to like June, July. So I kind of crossed Rich Hill off my list for the Twins. Um, but another name I wanted to circle back on that you said, uh, a mutual friend of ours brought up the same name, um, and, and I don't know if that person wants to be named here, so I'll just keep it off the pod, but uh, Rick Porcello to the Twins makes kind of sense as a good teammate guy, clubhouse guy, former star pitcher, but... Um, you know more about this than I do, so I'll ask your opinion on it. What's the allure of Rick Porcello at this point in his career? And I'm not being flippant. I'm genuinely curious because his numbers, I mean, on the surface anyways, they look pretty bad. Yeah, so first of all, was the mutual friend Randy from Cottage Grove. Because, uh... <laughs> uh, he had some takes, too, when he called into Ventline. Yeah, those are probably another podcast all by themselves. <laughs> yes, yes, he has a lot of takes. 
Um, Porcello, so I, I, I guess I view Porcello as, you're right, the numbers are terrible, uh, but I guess I view him as maybe a potential bounce-back guy uh, in the same way that the, the Rangers obviously viewed Kyle Gibson. Now, Gibson, his secondary numbers suggest that there's something more there um, that, than Porcello's do. But uh, I don't know. Porcello, I know his velo was down, his strikeouts were down, and his home run rate was up. And boy, as I say this, I feel like I'm digging a deeper and deeper grave uh, for my own <laughs> argument. Uh, I might have to just bury this one completely. But he is only 30 years old. Okay. Um, and I think you could get him for a one-year deal. And if he's terrible, you know, for a month and a half, then, you know, you've, then he's like 2020 version of Jason Marquis. And you wow. know you you cut bait. I know that's a that's a reference that if Phil actually listens to this, which I'm sure he won't, uh, he that reference was for him. That's a very deep him. cut. Yeah, he was the uh, yeah. former Twins free agent signing of the week just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, congratulations. I'm sure Jason is thrilled <laughs> to hear that. Um, Check is in the mail. Yeah. I'm sure. Yes. So I don't know, Porcello, just because he has such a long track record. I mean, he was a really good pitcher up until last year, and maybe he's done, but maybe he was also injured. You know, I mean, he won the Cy Young three years ago, um, and as recently as last year, he had an ERA of 4.28. Strikeout-to-walk ratio was really good, and and they won a a World Series. So, I'm just saying, if if you can get him on like a one-year, I don't know, eight to ten million dollar deal, maybe I, I gamble that he has something left in the tank. Um, at, at least at the beginning of the season, um, and can give you you know ten good starts, and then if he fades, you you DFA him or, or sure. whatever. So, so he's more can... in the mold of like your your Michael Pineda sort of gamble rather than in the same cut as Zach Wheeler, Madison Bumgarner, Hyunjin oh. Ryu, uh, Jake Odorizzi, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. He's he's a lower tier, uh, but I think you need to sign somebody like that. Okay, I don't think he's gonna have. Two rotation spots that go to, um, you know, like Dobnik and Smelter. As much as I love those guys, and, and uh, Dobnik, well, they're both they're both really great stories. Honestly, yeah. Um, I'm not sure on a team that's trying to win the World Series, you can give the four and five spots to to unproven, essentially rookies. Okay. Um, I, I think you need to sign a free agent starter. But do do you disagree? You think you can give two spots? Uh, to those guys internally? No, nope. I don't disagree. I I might be tempted to disagree if um if we had a longer runway of Randy Dobnik being world beater Randy Dobnik, and mm-hmm. if we thought that Brewster Gratterol would pitch more than you know whatever whatever his innings innings. cap is. I just, I I just don't see him making thirty starts this year because no. of his injury history. Not because I think he'll get hurt again, but you just can't go from zero to sixty overnight. Uh, to use a, I don't know why I randomly put a drag racing analogy in this baseball podcast, but you can't expect that he's going to ramp it up immediately and in his age, what? Is he going to be 22 in his age 22 season? Yeah. Just pile on 185 innings. I think that's unreasonable. So I'm for that those reasons, I'm, I'm not really tempted to give away two spots to internal guys, even though if I'm the Twins, I'd be thrilled if by July we were saying – Wow, how are you going to make a spot for Joan Duran? They just don't have any more rotation openings. This is a an embarrassment of riches. For for sure. And just one one more quick note on that. I totally agree with what you're saying about Gratterol. Um, he's probably going to pitch somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to 120 innings. But with with Jordan, uh, Jordan Donald B. Elvis, Jordan B. Uh, 
he pitches for Team Canada, and they're still trying to qualify for the Olympics. Uh, and their next qualifying tournament is in, is during spring training. So the Twins fans should keep an eye on that. I actually wrote about that in my last notes column on Score North. But keep an eye on whether they qualify for the Olympics. Because if they do, the Olympics are in late July and early August. Oh. And I, be- and I believe you can't be a member of, the, of a 40-man roster uh, and be on an Olympic team. So if, if, the, if Canada qualifies... The Twins would probably leave him off the 40-man so that he could pitch in the Olympics, which would mean, you know, by the time he gets back from that that and gets ramped up, we probably wouldn't see him until September. So wow. I guess if you want to see Jordan B. in a Twins uniform earlier in the summer, then root against Team Canada in their qualifying <laughs> tournament in March and April. Yeah, for all of those interested uh, viewers tuning into that <laughs> tournament, you now have rooting interests too. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Okay, so you brought up a couple of names, and I want to get through some twin stuff with you since we have not had a chance to break these down. Kyle Gibson gets three years and $30 million. He gets the Lance Lynn contract to go pitch with Lance Lynn in Texas. What do you think about that money for Gibby? Man, so I was surprised, I have to say, when I when I saw that contract. I, I was thinking the Twins could get him back on like a one-year eight to $10 million deal. And clearly I was way off on that. Um, I think they saw what a lot of people see in Gibson, which is, you know, his secondary numbers this year were actually really good. Like his strikeout rate was, or his K per nine was, was good. He was still getting lots of swing and misses, swings and misses on the, on the slider. Um, and, and he was sick, you know, I mean, he was sick the entire year. And I think they said, well, his secondary numbers are good. He was great at, in the second half of 17 and, and really all of 18 and, and they think he's going to bounce back and, and I do see the logic in that because um, I think he's a bounce back guy for sure that said 3 for 30 I was surprised I really I didn't I didn't think he would get that much um, but you know he if he pitches like he did in 2018 it'll, it'll be a good contract for them um, I don't know I don't know what you thought of that maybe that you you felt like that was a reasonable deal but you know, he lost his start spot in the rotation at the end of the year, and sick or not, you know, it's, boy, he just—he's also, you know, he's on the wrong side of thirty, and I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I like it when guys get paid. Um, I, I like seeing yeah. people get their money because um, the system certainly has enough of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, on my projected postseason roster, I took Gibson off. You know, right. and part of that's just how he was pitching in that moment, and you you needed to give yourself the best chance to win that series. I thought uh, turned out to be sort of irrelevant who the twenty fifth man on that roster is, but that's that's beside the point. Um, it's interesting. I I wonder how much of a hand uh, our old friend of the show Lance Lynn had in that sort of recruiting pitch that offer, but like also if you're Gibson. I don't really blink at three and thirty. I say that sounds good. I'm looking forward to it, and uh, you know, go find a new challenge somewhere else. Uh, I always thought Gibson was just a really insightful guy, very honest uh, evaluator and critic, frankly, of some of his own work. So it was really for me, it was a treat to get to talk to him. Some of my favorite pieces over the last few years were after you know in depth, lengthy conversations with Kyle Gibson about his own <laughs> approach to pitching. And uh, so I, on a personal level, I did appreciate that. On a Twins level, I can see why you wouldn't be interested in that neighborhood uh, to take a risk on a guy who, yeah, you said is is 30 and has kind of shown flashes of that breakout pitcher that he maybe can be, but has never sustained it for six months at a time. 
Yeah, for sure. And as a as a pseudo member of the Minnesota sports media, I guess I feel like I'm also obligated to say that he was a really good guy when I talked to him, and uh, <laughs> and I always I always set aside time. And and you're right, he was very insightful, and he was his his own harshest critic, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so yes. Why do we do that, sure. Jake? Why do we feel the need to, when somebody's uh, leaving, say what a nice guy they were? I don't know. It's it's something about the Minnesota persona. It, it, they don't do that in Boston. They don't do that on the East Coast, I think, for the most part. Yeah, they're uh, not going to be tribute columns to Rick Porcello when he signs a one-year deal with the Kansas no. City Royals saying what a great guy he was. No, they're not. And, and uh, yeah, it's something unique. I don't know if it's unique to Minnesota. I haven't seen it in any other market, but, man, do we love to do that. <laughs> it's like we feel like they're listening. Oh, Kyle you know, Gibson, and, big and fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Right. It's like we're worried that we're going to hurt their feelings, you know, if we don't point that point out that yeah, he sucked last year, but great guy. Well, then Kyle, if you are listening, don't read some of the columns that I wrote towards the end of this summer. Uh they they weren't always like the very nicest things I could have possibly said. Um Yes. The old rule is if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, but uh columns need to be written. So that's that rule goes out the window when it comes to hashtag #content. My baseball friends, Mackie here for Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Business owners, I'm talking to you, and I've been one myself. I know what goes into it. You love it, but you're grinding every day, solving problems, taking care of employees. It helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Um, speaking of, uh, I don't know, actually, there are some nice things to say about this guy. So that was a that was a lame segue attempt. I will just ask you about CJ Crone, who was non-tendered and in a little bit of a surprising move. Trevor Hildenberger, also non-tendered by the Twins. Ere Adrianza, the lone survivor, I guess, of that group, he gets a one-year deal to stay in Minnesota worth a reported $1.6 million. Your thoughts on the Twins' moves at non-tender day, which was uh, Monday this week? Yeah, Hildenberger, I'm not surprised. And speaking of great guys, boy, I'm really going to double down on this. Hildenberger was like my favorite dude in that clubhouse. Very good human being, in my experience. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, the numbers were awful uh he would he would be the first one to tell you that and so i'm not surprised um the chrome thing was more interesting uh i thought they would non-tender him because i think it's a 7.7 i think it's what he was projected to get 7.7 million that's a lot to pay uh for a player with his profile right i mean he he's an average defensive first baseman i would say um he made some nice plays he also you know he had a huge blunder in game one of the playoffs that that really cost them when he didn't catch that uh double play ball from uh uh arise but um you know he hits he hits bombs and he plays a mediocre first base and i think you can get that on the free agent market for cheaper than 7.7 million uh so i'm not surprised you know i mean the rays uh who are obviously financially strapped but also one of the smartest organizations in baseball i would argue maybe the smartest um they didn't want to give him 4.8, you know, when he had a better season offensively in 2018. Yeah. So, you know, if they if they cut bait for that, then I'm not surprised the Twins are cutting bait 
uh, for $7.7 million. And, and it's hard to judge him because that injury sapped his power so much because um, he did have a really good start to the year. But I, I, I think I think the larger discussion is what this means for Sunel. So I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I feel like they're going to move him to first. Oh, boy, do I. Um, because <laughs> I I had not planned to talk about that today, but anytime you want to wrestle about the uh, big man, I'm I'm more than happy to jump in that ring. Let, let's do it. Let's jump in the ring. So you think... With the money off the books, okay, maybe you just maybe you earmark that for pitching, and that's part of your $110 million pitch to Zach Wheeler. Okay. And then you're left with a hole at first base. Now, I don't think they're going to turn that over full-time to Marwin Gonzalez. I don't think they're going to turn that over full-time to Ere Adrianza. I think in a perfect world for the Twins, those two guys would continue to be those two guys, if that makes sense. I mean, it's a role that you'd recognize for them. So I just, I don't know how much thought the twins are going to put into, or how much, how much hope they put into the long-term plan being Miguel Sano is just a, a big first baseman who rakes and might as well start that early this year. My personal thought is you keep him at third base until it's just not tenable anymore. And I still think that it's tenable um, depending on what your backup plans are at either one of those positions. But I have seen a lot on Twitter, and it sounds like my podcast co-host at present is also in the camp that wants to move Sano to first base right now and then go find somebody else to play his spot at third base for the Twins. Is that what you're thinking for 2020? Well, so let's do a little exercise, all right? Rate the following defenders in terms of above average, average, or below average. Okay. All right? Luis Arise. Um, average on his day. Maybe I'd say a touch below average. Okay. Jorge Polanco at short. Average, and I'm maybe being generous. Miguel Sano at third. Average. Okay, so I would I would rate Polanco as a below average defensive third uh, shortstop. Okay. And Sano is as a below average defensive third. Yeah, they might they might be. If I could amend that, I'd probably say like average minus. Right, right, exactly. They're like C plus defenders, I, I would say. C's so get like, degrees, my good man. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but but scope really held down defensively. Really held down that infield because I I don't think he got enough credit for how good he was defensively, and his arm was he had a cannon, right? But the left side of the the infield was defensively was not disastrous. That's too strong a word, but it was not good. And I don't think you can roll in, into 2020 saying we're going to have an average to below average second baseman, shortstop, and third baseman. I mm. just, that's giving away too many runs uh, for me to be comfortable with. And, and I know that, that their strategy last year was you know, they're a one-dimensional team. They're just going to hit bombs, and they're going to outscore you, and that obviously works for them. But their defense was a liability all year, their infield defense, and it's going to be worse with a rise taking over for, for scope. Offensively, he'll be better, but defensively, it's a, it's a downgrade. And so I just, you know, I I don't see it with Sano defensively. I, I he's really good at that at coming in on that on like bunts or, or you know soft ground balls. Sure, he, his range is is not great. Yep, at all suspect. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I just I don't know. I uh, I I don't see him as a long term fit at third. And and if I can sign somebody like Josh Donaldson. Uh, and move Sano to first, I would be very happy with that. But I just, 
think about their infield defense if they leave yeah. the left side as it is. I mean, it's like every ground ball, you're you're holding your breath. Yeah. You know? um, my digging my heels in about it has more to do with, like, I think he's probably also a minus at first base. So you might as well try it at a spot that's a little bit harder up the defensive spectrum. Although, as we've seen with Mike Moustakis, if Miguel Sano didn't have such a cannon arm, he'd pro- he could probably play second base in the big leagues these days. Uh, I don't yeah. know that I would uh, advocate that, just like I wouldn't advocate trying him in right field uh, ever again. Um, but I don't know. If if you sign Josh Donaldson, then fine, of course. Like He's a better third baseman than Sano. Uh, if you sign Anthony Rendon, obviously I'm not going to uh, put up a stink about <laughs> Well, did you think about the ramifications defensively for Sano? Like, this is not a hill that I'm going to die on. Um, it's just a hill that I'm I'm camping on right now, and I I, I sleep here. Or, or, or <laughs> that sounds great. Or to use Pat's argument, trade Buxton and quote someone else. I believe was his original argument, uh, then amended to Barrios, uh, Barrios for Matt Chapman. Yeah, um, if you get Matt Chapman, I'm off of the Sano can play third base <laughs> hill. That's fine. He can go play wherever you want. Right. I, I, I don't know. I just – I I really see that as problematic. And, and if you view Eddie Rosario as a below-average uh, defensive left fielder at this point, and a lot of the metrics suggested that he was, then it's like any ball hit to the left side, you're holding your breath. And I just – I don't know. I To me, Sano's a first baseman DH. That's, that's always how he's profiled to me. He hasn't done enough to convince me personally that he can stick at third. Sure. Uh, and, and so I guess I guess that's my hill. We're Devil's advocate. Hill and, yeah, and you can, just you can sleep on your hill. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I'll write you letters sometimes. I, I guess I guess the other discussion that we could have is if you're not going to extend Sano and Rosario, you trade those guys, considering they only have two years left of of team control. Fair. Because their value is really only going to go down if they, you know, from here on out. Well, because the careful there though because so i i hear you if you're not going to sign them to long-term deals they are considered trade chips or or should be at least but i might start the year with those guys and just see what happens and if you need something in july now you got a chip if you need something next winter well okay their value is possibly less than what it was but keep in mind they're also coming off like somewhat under underwhelming seasons i could see sano's value going up from here i could see rosario's value going up from here with a scorching hot april Suddenly, he's the guy who had a down year rather than the like constantly wondering who this guy is long term. Um, I, I just if the if the right trade is there, obviously I'm going to make it. But I'm just uh, I don't know. I I'm I will say that I'm content with how things are right now, provided you fix the pitching and get a catching partner for Mitch Garver. Um, but I would just say that. As a devil's advocate, too, this is I'm in my closing arguments. I'm introducing new information, which I think you get in trouble for in debate class. Um, but I'm running the board, so you can't stop me. Uh, there is a there's an argument to be made that Miguel Sano has also never had like secure footing under him going into a season. Like we could go back and point to the reasons why some of them are self inflicted, but he's never like had a year where it's like, hey, man. You're healthy, you're in shape, and you're the guy at third base. It's always been something with him. So to whatever extent you think that's his fault, that's fine. But I guess I wouldn't be shocked if if in 2020 he is the Twins' third baseman and he is healthy and available for 155 games, 
that he puts in his best season defensively at third base. There's a lot of ifs and buts in that statement, but I I would just count that as on the spectrum of possibilities for the way I see things for the Twins in 2020. Okay, so we were talking before the show about how we always agree and we don't have anything to fight on. I think I think the Sano thing and the Rosario thing is something that we could fight on. Oh, goody. So, uh, so that's good. But I want to go back to to Rosario for one second, and then we can and then we can discuss Sano. Yeah, man. You said he had a you said he had a down year, uh, but I'm looking at his numbers here, and really they're right in line with his career averages. So his OPS was 800 in 2018. It was 803, uh, 17, 836, 16. 716. So I think offensively, this is basically who he is. He didn't have a down year. Uh, he had a, a, an average year for him in his age 27 season. He was below average, I think, defensively. Uh, and and so I, to me, Rosario is is vastly overrated, um, at least nationally, uh, because you know he finished 18th in the MVP uh, voting. What? He was on the yeah yeah he finished 18th in the MVP voting. Um, he had he was on the the MLB ballot for all MLB for the all MLB team. Um, I think he's viewed as a star. Wait, you know, a budding superstar. You're kidding? Ed, Eddie Rosario, the Twins left fielder, got an MVP vote. Finished 18th. Yep. How in the world? I, okay, this is new information to me. Somehow I missed this. He finished just below Carlos Santana, <laughs> who had an OPS over 100 points higher than him and Glaber Torres and he finished he finished above Max Kepler above Yohan uh, Mancada above JD Martinez Charlie Morton uh wow. Jorge Soler I mean guys. wow pardon my french but criminally yeah it's i i just i i don't i don't get it i i think because he makes um some really eye-opening plays, you know, like the, the throw in Boston was an amazing play, and and he does have a tendency to really rise to to big moments. That uh, that he's really the name that's captured the, na- the national attention uh, for the Twins more more than, wow. than Kepler or or uh, Barrios or anybody. So, yeah, he yeah he's overrated. Team, you're right. That's yeah yeah he's over he's overrated, and and his defense to me really just has taken a step back and like. There are a lot of play- I hate to be the like hustle guy because false hustle is definitely a thing, but like he, it seems like he doesn't always hustle after balls that maybe he could get to. And you know, when he first came up, if you remember when he first came up, he led the league in triples. He was constant. He was uber aggressive on the base pass, like constantly trying to push the envelope, take the extra base. And this year, it was like I mean, there were a number of times where he hit balls off the wall, and you know to use the baseball term, pimped them, and ended up with a single when he should have been at second. Huh. Uh, it, it, you know, he, it was like everything that he was known for in 2015 uh, kind of reversed itself last year. And, and so, I, I don't know, I just, I, I see a very inconsistent player, um, someone who can shine uh, and go on hot streaks, but um, is prone to maybe checking out a little bit or lapses in concentration and um, and doesn't have good plate discipline. So, I don't know. To me, he's overrated, and if you can get a mid-rotation starter for him um, or a good bullpen arm, I would pull the trigger on that. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with what you're saying. I just, if if he's the player that we're talking about here, that's not worth a late-inning arm, and it's not worth a starting pitcher. 
I mean, if I'm yeah. another team, you, you want to sign up for all of the negative things that uh, you just outlined for us? <laughs> it's not exactly exciting race-to-the-window type stuff. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to find a—I don't even know if these teams exist anymore, but it, you know, you'd have to find maybe a more traditional team that looks at things like home runs and RBI. You know, he had 109 RBI, he had 32 home runs. Um, oh, well, that's so, how he ended up in the MVP voting. Exactly, exactly. Huh. And those front okay. offices— pro- probably don't exist anymore but if you could package him with uh, a decent prospect to, to get an arm i just think i'd do it because yeah because of everything i just said he only has two years of control uh and you've got so many prospects in the outfield coming up right like yep. kirloff is close larnick is, is close um even royce lewis like played center field in the afl and reportedly was was playing it well gilberto celestino just got added to the 40 man so you have replacements ready um I guess that's so. Yeah, I, I feel like I've been going on and on about this, so I'll stop. No, man. Um, but I, that's that's kind of where I fall on uh, on Rosario. I also heard, and I don't. This is I'm not reporting this, but apparently, according to Twitter, he changed his Instagram bio from like Twins player to MLB player. I looked into so, that. Oh, uh, I saw that is, same is that, that rumor kicking around, and uh, I can't remember which is which. But on one of them, Twitter or Instagram. He is MLB player. He switched agencies. Yeah. He's now with Rock Nation, which is made famous yeah. by Jay-Z, but Jay-Z is not a baseball agent. Um, there really aren't a lot of famous baseball players besides Robbie Cano uh, with that agency. Um, but but my point is, on one of them, he is MLB player, and on one of them, he is like outfielder for the Minnesota Twins or something like that. So I honestly, I don't look too much into that kind of a thing. Yeah, that's uh, maybe that's too much. That's too reckless. Too reckless. <laughs> nah, man, not on this station. We're good here. Uh, I think yeah. I think that's the kind of stuff people are talking about. And so there, maybe there is something to it. Maybe there's not. I have not talked to Eddie this winter to know if uh, this is some sort of like bitter dispute with the twins that he's uh, demanding to be traded. I, I think that's probably pretty far from the truth. Um, and by the way, ahead. isn't his agent with Rock Nation? Uh, is it Kyle Thousand? Yep, that's right. That is just just an amazing name for an agent, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you cannot right. have a better name as an agent than Kyle Thousand. <laughs> uh, well, Zach Wheeler's agent, uh, I can't remember if if he's a Boris guy or not, but it will be uh, Scott 100 million plus would be a great <laughs> nickname for him. See what I did? Well done. Well done. Okay, so let me ask you. An average of 22 over five years would be $110 million to close this podcast out. And I will I will save this uh, trade name. I have a guy at the top of my trade target list that we have not oh. talked about on this oh. podcast. Um, I think I've mentioned him with Royce, but you and I haven't talked about this guy. So another fun show for another day, maybe uh, around the GM meetings or whatever, winter meetings or whatever's coming up here in San Diego. Um, 22 over five years for Zach Wheeler would be 110 do you do five years and $120 million? Uh, no team options, no player options, just straight up five-year contract taking him through age 35 to be a Twins starting pitcher. Zach Wheeler, 5 and 120. What do you say, Jake? Yes, absolutely, because the winning window is wide open. They've been talking about this window, waiting for it to open, waiting for it to open. It's clearly wide open, and with the White Sox on the rise, who knows how long it's going to stay open. Um, you know, if their whole strategy is wait to attack until until everything's just right, everything's just right. 
you're coming off a 101-win season. Your offense is, is historic. This is the time to overpay to address weaknesses. So if you're not going to do it now, in my mind, it's just never going to happen. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I overpay to get Wheeler. I I back up the Brinks truck, and, and if it's 120 to get him to Minnesota, then, then I pay that. Wow. Good stuff, what Jake. Uh, well, sheesh. Put me on the spot here. Uh, there is something to be said for keeping your powder dry um, because it's a it's a conservation strategy. But there is also something to be said for firing guns if that is your ambition. And I don't like that this always uh, turns over into gun violence with these metaphors. But there's no way around it with that one. You're keeping your powder dry. That is gunpowder, people. That is what they're talking about. So it's uh, – Eventually, you do have to fire that bullet. I've been on the big train of Yasmani Grandal, who went to the White Sox. Um, Anthony Rendon is super interesting to me. Garrett Cole is super interesting to me. But if I have to lower my sights from some of those, then, yeah, Zach Wheeler's on my list. So is Madison Bumgarner. So is Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, If one of those guys signs for, you know, $50 million over two years, I think I'd rather have that than, uh, than five and 120. But at the same time, if you want to have good players at a certain point, you do have to pay for them. Um, boy, can I can I dance around without answering your question any longer? I think that was pretty good. That was good. That was that was some some great dancing. And just really quickly, <laughs> really quickly on a personal note, I I do just want to express my condolences uh, about Grandal uh, to you, to yes. your family. You know your takes. Um, just anybody associated with Derek Wetmore. Um, just know that I'm thinking about you, uh, and and when I saw that, I, I my heart my heart sank. <laughs> yeah. My well, we got your you thoughts and and we got your prayers, and we sure do appreciate both of those uh, in a package deal. Even uh, really really appreciate it in the Wetmore household. Um, I think that's a good deal for Chicago, and I think they're on the on the rise. It'll be a boy if Cleveland doesn't trade Francisco Lindor and and keeps their pitchers. This could be an l- interesting little uh, three team race before too much longer. Uh, Unless the Twins go catch the reins, I guess. For sure. And another podcast we do have to talk about catchers because I, I'm with you. They needed to they need to sign uh, someone like Grandal or, or you know a legitimate uh, catcher to pair with Garver. Nice. We can talk about, about that another time. Cool. All right. Well, we fought a little bit on this show. We won't do it on the next one. It sounds like we got some uh, some good fodder for the next time we have you on. So, Jake, really appreciate you phoning in today. Thanks for taking the time to join the Score North Twin Show. Absolutely, I appreciate it, guys. All right, man, we'll catch you later. Okay. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. 
plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.